Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom! What's going on, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Robin. I'm creeping it real. And we're in person! In person! Woohoo! Again, because we hate each other. Yeah, we... we... <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, super stoked. Uh, we haven't done two episodes in a, in a week span in a while, so it's it's awesome that we're uh, that we were able to make all this happen. Uh, super pumped for tonight's guest. Dude, I'm um, excited. Yeah, we uh, we were just talking about a few things that uh, are interesting across the pond. That uh, oh my lanta. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to uh, to get more in depth onto that. Uh, how are you doing, Rob? You're you're here because you're going to a concert. I am. I am. I'm heading to a Taking Back Sunday show, which is hey. like a throwback emo kind of. A, but it's crazy because we're like, oh, they're kind of playing in this weird off third eye blind, and. Uh, uh, also tonight is Rob Zombie's playing in Charlotte, and then also we just found out that Alkaline Trio and Coheed and Cambria is also playing in a very close proximity to the show. So I'm like, man, there's n- I don't think a lot of people are going to be going to Taking Back Sunday. I think that everyone's going to go to the Alkaline Trio and, ta- and Coheed and Cambria show, and then all the other people <laughs> are going to go to the Rob Zombie show with Mudvayne, and I'm like... So if you're listening to this podcast in real time and you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, yeah. it's going to be fucking crazy. It's going to be crazy tonight. <laughs> It's going to be wild. I don't know why they would schedule so many large acts for the same evening. Yeah, that's uh, that's epic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get Without this going. Ado, I'm super stoked we're talking with Gavin from Balls to You in the hell, UK. Hell yeah, I'm pumped, man. Man, what's up, dude? How's it going, guys? You okay? Yeah, man. How are Rocking you? It. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little bit tired today, but I'm, I'm super excited to be on tonight's podcast with you guys. Absolutely awesome. Heck yeah! Thank you so much for doing it, and I'm, I'm glad we could make it work with the time difference. Yeah. For the for those Dude. who want some behind the scenes knowledge, I messaged Gavin about doing this. I was like, "Yeah, we recorded like 8 p.m. I don't know what that's like over in the UK." He's like, "At fucking 1 a.m. You twat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. He was like, "Dude, that that's like 2 a.m. in the morning. I, I I can try and be awake, but whether yeah. it makes any sense is another yeah. thing, you know." Yeah, um, no. yeah, I'm glad we can make it happen. Though I'm glad we can make it happen. Hell yeah, absolutely. So, really quick, because there's so many things that I want to talk to you about, and and I'm sure we'll have to have you back another time. But um, for those who don't know you, I don't know how they couldn't know you. But for those who don't know you, can you just give a little bit of the backstory about you and and where balls to you started, all that stuff? Sure. I mean, uh, hey, the year's 2002, mm-hmm. and I was fixing my mate's car and he didn't have any money. And he said, can I pay you in snakes? And I went, that's cool. I've had snakes when I was a kid, you know? Yeah, of course. So he gave me uh, a ball python. And I was like, wow, this thing's cool. And then I started doing a bit of research, couldn't find much. And then I started coming across these American forums, Bush League yep. Breeders Club, Ralph no, Davis. Yeah. Yep. And started coming across all that stuff. And I was like, Holy shit, there's, there's, <laughs> is this really happening? Is this real? About 2003, uh, 2004, I saw a picture in a book of a bumblebee produced oh, by Kevin McCurley. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, is this, is this, is this one of these? I was like, holy <laughs> shit, is this what it is? Mm-hmm. And then I saw a VPI exantic clown. And then that was it. I was hooked. Oh, yeah. I was researching. I remember watching a lot of um, the, the forums when people used to argue on the forums, like Ralph Davies and, um, and uh, Corey Woods used to argue, you know, and I'd be sitting there eating popcorn, like waiting for it to all kick off. You know? <laughs> and, and watching all the shit kick off, you know, um, Ozzy posting stuff and people lashing at Ozzy, you know, um, Ozzy getting a lot of shit for stuff. And, and then sort of like uh, purely by accident, I had my first clutch of eggs in 2008. Mm-hmm. And that was it then. It was just like a complete, mm-hmm. you know, it just opened up a whole nother world because I was a keeper of, you know, um, geckos and corn snakes and, and, and 
had boas and uh, and now got these ball pythons. And I was just like, dude, I want to breed ball pythons. So yeah. then I got into it real much, uh, quite a lot. And then it was like, I started reaching out to a few breeders, some of the bigger names out there, emails, chatting to them. Um, one of the biggest surprises was that Ralph Davies come back to me and was emailing me back. And I was like, holy shit, this is the king. And then there was other people I was emailing and they just didn't have the time of day for me. So an English term was balls to you. Balls to you, mate. Uh, I'll learn myself. And that's when it just, the penny dropped. And I thought, you, you know what? That's a good term because I'm very much, I want to help people. I like to help people. Yeah. I want nothing in return. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start helping people under the, the name of balls to you. So it's very much, it, it sort of, it was tongue in cheek. The name yeah. kind of matched ball pythons, even though we call them royal pythons. Yeah. Um, a lot of what I learned was from, uh, Americans and Canadians. So I work in Fahrenheit, all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's me basically in a nutshell. Oh, and then I obviously started my YouTube journey um, because, yeah. you know, before 2006, 2007, YouTube never existed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a lot of it was on the forums. So, Right. The, the first time that I saw a Bumblebee Ball Python, I was on the nerd forums and I lost it. I was like... <laughs> That is the coolest snake I think yeah. I've seen. I was just like, it's got white on the sides. It's got these green eyes. And I think Kara was were, was at Nerd at the time. And she took these like incredible pictures of these. And they were outside. And you could see them in the natural light. I just remember looking at it and being like, these are absolutely insane. Like, how do these exist? Dude, I couldn't believe, you know, in my hand, I've got this, this natural, this normal looking ball python. Mm-hmm. And the bumblebee for me was so far from what a normal looked like yeah. to what that was. It just blew my mind. Pattern, color, overload, you know? It just yeah. blew my mind. And I was like, holy shit, like, what? Uh, and that was it. I was hooked. I was hooked. That is one of the few ball pythons that I have is is a bumblebee because I was just like, I just remember back then just being, so, and you know, the bumblebee I got was like $100 or something, but like, I remember <laughs> yeah. when they were yeah. $50,000 and I yeah, was just, yeah, right. I still love them. They're still probably my favorite ball python morph. And then the a- Azanthic bumblebees too. Are yeah. Just, oh, yeah. So nice. You know, and again, looking back and, you know, remembering stuff that was going on in the forums again, you know, a lot of the times, you know, there was just pictures posted and the pictures that were posted weren't the best quality. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, looking at the shows and hearing the stories, because obviously I never went to the shows because all the shows that I thought existed were in the US. So obviously I'd never went to none of the shows, but, you know, hearing people come back after the show and, and go on the forums and start writing about stuff they saw at the show, yeah, oh, we saw this really unique ball python. It was this and that, and I was like, well, well, "What was it? You know, we've had the bumblebee. What's next? You know, what's next?" Yeah, um, yeah and it's it's just unravels, you know. And and again, watching and hearing stories, and and now when I go back, stuff like you know the 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 goal or the the the, the cream of the crop was the white ball python. You know, mm-hmm. that was you know paying fifty thousand dollars for this. Ball <laughs> python out of Africa to find out it was an ivory, and everyone already had yellow bellies floating around <laughs> in their collection. They didn't even know you pair a yellow belly to a yellow belly, you get an ivory. You know, yeah. Um, yep. It was just yeah, it was nuts. And I think, I think let's face it, we've only really been doing ball pythons in such a big, vast numbers for the last twenty-two years. You know, since two thousand, really. You know, right. where you know we're stop, we're still finding stuff out. We're still learning stuff, and that's what I love about this. Whether you're into boas, berms, ball pythons, crested geckos, you know, whatever, monitors, whatever, there's still so much we don't know about the cold-blooded reptiles that you'd be stupid to think you know it all. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I tell people that all the time when it comes to, I mean, I I know as a ball python guy, you've had it, you've had it happen. I got this ball python, I don't know what it is, what kind of morph do you think it is, you know, whatever, but it, it does, it does kind of make you think, 
because ball pythons were one of those first snakes that just had like all these crazy morphs come through next to something like the yeah. corn snake or something, we never really followed through on the polygenic aspects of ball pythons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get a, uh, the way I like to explain it to people is, you know, each individual morph is like a light switch. And if the light switch is on, then you see the morph. It's like, if the light switch is off, then you don't. But each light switch is comprised of a million other light switches. So yep. that you might get, you know, a hundred thousand of that million turned on. So you're getting this weird blushing showing up, you know, but it's yeah. not, you take, you know, so it's like, it's yeah. annoying as hell, but it's also really cool, you know, that we have all this variation happening with these animals and we just, we don't know it all. We just don't. No. And that's one thing that I've been a massive um, proprietor of that, you know, the first thing I used to talk about was compatibility. You know, we have compatibility in king snakes, in cobras, in anacondas, mm-hmm. and other species. Yeah. Why would it be so far fetched that we don't have it in ball pythons? Because let's face it, you know, a breeder will put a male in with a female and they don't breed. And his answer is, or their answer is, yeah, well, it didn't lock. He's not ready. Put him away. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, he's ready, but he's just not interested in that female or she's not interested in him. So the one thing right. I used to talk about, and I still am a massive you know, component of, is compatibility. The other thing I'm, I'm massive on, and, and right in front of me, you can't see, but I've got a massive map of Africa. Mm. And it shows all the continents and, and everything else around it and where the, the, you know, the area where the ball pythons are found. Mm-hmm. And we'd be stupid and naive to think that we didn't have locality in our ball python species. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, you can have an entry from one area, like one top half of the Congo Basin, and then over in Senegal, you could have another entry. They're still entry, but they just look different, you know? So, yes. And and we've also got, you know, Vultra females. I've got one myself, Mm -hmm. and some of her offspring do get that genetic trait of being extra big. They have slightly Mm -hmm. bigger heads, they grow quicker. And they just overall, they don't feed as much as other ball pythons to get bigger. Yeah. And again, it's like a locality, like you've got super dwarf, you know, in the retics. Yeah. So I'm a massive, I, I believe in polygenic as well as polymorphism. Mm-hmm. And you'd be stupid to think that, and again, probably because we've got all these morphs that we don't look at the polygenic traits because we're too busy looking for the morph, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I think about like all the days we, we would go to like the White Plains show and like Ian over at Outback Reptiles and like high gold ball pythons and like all this other stuff. They were just like, you know, nice normals, but they had yeah. good color. And it's like, man, imagine if the morph thing didn't exist, but we just ended up having to buy these, you know, just nice colored ball pythons and we we're just making, trying to make the nicest looking ones. What would ball pythons look like then? Blood pythons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember, um, uh, God, not um, Snake Keeper, Dan and, and Colette. Oh, yeah, Colette, Colette so, yeah. so Colette used to pride herself on making quality-looking normal ball pythons yeah. that she mm-hmm. used to sort of line breed, if you like, and she used to get, like, like not thousands of dollars, but in, in, in well, I suppose in, if we were in comparison to most people selling just normals, yeah. In, in in the bigger picture, it would be like thousands of dollars for these normal but fantastic looking line bred animals, you know, and mm-hmm. she'd get yeah. the money from. I remember seeing stuff and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like quality, you know? Yeah. I think one of the other one of the few people that still do anything like that these days would be like Albie over Albie's yeah, two cool Albie's reptiles. Too cool, yeah. Like I've seen some like just like pastel ODYB stuff on his table that like blow the, the what you think the combo should look like yeah. out of water because he spent yeah. so much time being so meticulous with what he's brought in to pair and it's just like holy crap man like yeah. that's really impressive what's all around you almost everywhere you look and makes your life better birds Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. 
Mallard Ducks, Ivory Build Woodpeckers, Hawaiian Honey Creepers, Blue Jays, Cardinals, Sandhill Cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. One of the things, like, and it's kind of controversial, and you guys, I know I don't mean to bring up nerd and stuff because you guys are your own breeders and your own rights, but the one thing I love and I'm interested in is hybrids. Oh, yeah. And Rob's I, going to talk hybrids all day. It's always the <laughs> yeah. People do. I know. I actually, <laughs> I actually, I actually phoned up nerd. Um, I, I phoned up a couple of times because I've sent a few emails and stuff. Um, and the one day I thought, do you know what? Sorry, I'm just going to phone him. I phoned him. He comes through. I said, can I speak to Kevin, please? And they went, sorry, where are you from? I was like, <laughs> hello, I am from the UK. I would like to talk to Kevin. Just real slow, slow down my words, you know. And, and Kevin come on the one day and I was talking to Kevin. And then we were chatting about, uh, we were talking about the, uh, the microscale. And then... Yeah. We had a good chat anyway, long and short of it. Uh, we, we spoke a few times. I also spoke to him about the ball gene because I got the ball gene in my collection. And when we traced it back, so I phoned Kevin to speak to him about that. And when we traced it back, it came from Crystal Palace Reptiles, which at the time was importing a lot of stuff from Nerd. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it came through on the back of a, a spider. Actually, I was producing bumblebees with the ball gene. And, um, so I phoned Kevin, spoke to that, and we, uh, I phoned him a second time, and we spoke about the uh, the micro scale. And then um, I think I wanted to speak, but I wanted to, I wanted to know a bit more because I got offered an odium combo. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I noticed with odium, and again, not knocking anyone, but it's not very easy to see. And a lot of the times when Kevin, bless him, went to go, let's do a video on odium. It'll be like a seven gene animal. And you'd yeah. be like, look, this has got odium, but but let's get this rid of this. This is this, but with malum and odium. And you'd be like, Kev, just show me a normal odium. Anyway, or even a I'll, one get, I'll, get, I'll get around to it. So the one day I phoned, phoned up and Rob came on the phone. Yep. And I, I could just, and Rob was like, hey, how you doing? I, and I was probably talking a load of nonsense. I was like, hi, Rob. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> kind of fanboyed a little bit. I went, hi, Rob, you don't know me. <clears throat> said, but, um, yeah, can you tell me a bit more about the Odium? And I think we had a bit of a chat and stuff. Yeah. And I said, oh, by the way, please, please get Kevin just to get one Odium on its own. Just show us the characteristics because – I'm a massive believer in um, when we're working with them genes, I like to re-engineer something. So I brought um, a pied combo from Justin, which had Gene X. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to re-engineer that and physically see Gene X. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I bred it and made some double heads and re-engineered it anyway. <clears throat> so now when I'm hatching stuff in the Gene X project, I can see, you know, yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. the characteristics. I can see that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, just, it, it, just crazy stories, and again, like I don't, I don't hate on many people, but the one thing that frustrates me is when I want to learn, and I, I just can't get my hands on. So I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go to Nerd, I'm going to hold Rob down, and Jeremy would have been there at the time. Right? I'm going to get these guys, and I'm going to get them to go through all the ball pythons and get me a goddamn odium. <laughs> you know? So you want to know what's funny about this? Is so one of the last trips up there that I I took. I did of them on odium and explaining odium in a, in a more simplistic way, but I was pissed because no, I just couldn't fucking find it because oh, yeah. they moved it because there's a single seven. gene male odium. Yeah, I remember. Cause look at listen to this. I remember that snake. It was in room seven. Yep. All the way on the top right of the last bus tray rack bus down tray by rack. the yep. sink. Yep. I remember <laughs> where that fucking snake was. <laughs> when I go I to pull snakes, snake. I go to pull snakes for the video. I can't fucking he's find not, it. And there. I'm start I start asking, where's the single gene odium? Where the fuck is this snake? I need this snake. And they're like, Oh, it 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 got moved. 
And I'm like, okay. To where? To where? Uh, and they're like, uh, oh, oh, I don't, I don't know. And I'm yeah. like, well, I know for a fact Kevin doesn't care about that snake because it doesn't look like anything because it's a single yeah. gene animal. So where the hell did it go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. You know, the second time I went, and it was in the same rack. They moved it down six rows, uh, and I was like, "You guys fucking suck." <laughs> I remember so, you going back and actually doing that video, Jeremy. Uh, and and again, I sat there and I was like eager in anticipation because, you know, we can all stand here and look at genes and look at combos. But I'm very much one of these people where I like to try and break stuff down so I understand it. Yeah, it's yeah. like I can see the difference between uh, gravel asphalt and yellow belly. Okay. Mm. And I've proven that out a number of times. And I've cut a clutch yesterday again proved it again mm. i can see the characteristics because i <clears throat> i just pay attention to those subtle differences i look at it and and nine times out of ten asphalt will follow this train of um traits interesting yeah. and yellow belly will go that way and i've showed a few people how to pick out asphalt and yellow belly stuff and it's when you hatch it and when you have it in your hand and you can see it, you understand it yeah. And the one thing when I got offered this odium, it, it was, um, I'm sure it was a, a beast or a double beast or whatever. It was an Enchi Mojave odium, something or other. Anyway. It, That's what Kevin it, wrote on it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, law thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The beast or, or triple beast, whatever he calls it. Um, yeah. it, it. It was basically something. And I, I was just like, do you know what? It's recently I saw Ozzy post some stuff with Odium. And mm. because he's using maybe less genes, you can see it looks different. There's yeah. something going on. And with this beast, I was like, I want to see it. Now, again, not knocking Kevin, being in ball pythons, you know, I've been my I've been burnt over the years. I've brought normal posset albinos that weren't posset albinos, you know, end up mm. breeding normals to normals. Breeding the babies back, producing no babies, uh, no yeah. albinos. Yeah. I also brought a pair of uh, het pods, bred them together, no pods, bred them backwards and forwards, left and right, no pods. So we've always had our finger burn. And I remember hearing the story of the um, the hidden gene warmer and the lesser, the um, soul sucker. Soul sucker, yeah. And, and again, you know, I remember Kevin eating his hat, um, you know, and stuff like that. And and for me, I'm very much, I, I like the, the differences in the genes. And sometimes the subtle differences make a massive difference when you start layering stuff on top. Yep. So I get it, the odium, you, you know, you let, the more stuff you layer on, the different it looks. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I was just a bit like, I was researching this odium, trying to find a single gene odium just to look at so I could look at it. But yeah, that, but listen, this is just some fun, you know, theoretical ID stuff that we work with. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, I love it. You know, look, when I, I'm going up to Nerd next week, I'm spending a few days up there. I'm going to yeah. find that single gene odium and I'm going to send you a picture of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do a video. So this is for Gavin and Balls to you because he's told me. If you don't, he's coming over to make sure we do it properly. <laughs> I'm going to go to Kevin and be like, look, Gavin said he's going to fly over here and beat your ass if I don't show him this snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm coming after him, yeah. But it's cool. But, yeah, it, it's, oh, it's good, you know what I mean? This hobby, like, I've met a lot of friends over the years. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people like this, you've got to enjoy what you do. Yeah. And... For me, it's not about being rich or anything like that. It's just a case of just enjoying what I do. And I love what I do. I love the fact that, you know, there's people across the pond that if ever I land in America and I'm in trouble, guys, I don't know where I'm at. I've got a, over so many people that I can call and they'll be like, yeah, Gav, we're on our way, you know. Um, I remember Dave Kaufman, we, we were in Canada and he said, he said, yeah, take my rental, rental car. Uh, we, we were just finished at Billy's. He, he was flying back early. He said, yeah, take my rental car. Just drop it off at the, the rental place next door to the hotel when you're finished. I was like, 
hell yeah, I'm off. And I said to my mate, Kev, I said, where do you want to go? He went, let's go to Mark Mendex's place, Marcus Jane. I went, yeah, yeah let's do it. Yeah. So we jumped in this rental car. Obviously, we drive on the wrong side of the road over here. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember at this intersection. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's dude, where you get dude, I was like. <laughs> I was like, why is that car driving on my side of the road? Oh, shit, no, I'm on their side of the road. Shit, we're over quickly. And I remember thinking, God, I'm going to drop this car back to this rental place, and they're just going to have tons of mileage on there, you know? <laughs> and I just dropped off the keys. I didn't say anything to them because I thought, if I sound European or, or UK, they're going to start checking the car, and I didn't want them to check the car over. <laughs> uh, and I just posted the keys, and I just thought, Dave's going to get a bill come through the post. You know? There we go. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's fine. It's fine. Speaking, speaking of Dave, shout out to Dave. The Ball Python uh, film just came out uh, yeah. you know, today, yesterday. yesterday today, yeah. And uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I've been looking at the comments, and it looks like it was phenomenal. So shout out to Dave. I know he and I talked before he went to Africa. And uh, he was super excited. This was like many years in the making to to get yeah. everything planned out to go over there. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm super excited to watch that. And just, yeah, massive kudos to Dave for making that happen. A lot of people don't realize, you know, what goes into just filming a 10-minute video for YouTube. Yes. There's so <laughs> much stuff that goes on behind the scenes. You know, even, even the snakes being in shed, you go, I've got an <laughs> idea. I'm going to film this. And then you go to the snakes and they're in shedding. Like, oh, shit. Yep. And, and, yeah. So there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. So, again, anyone that does YouTube, anyone that does videos, again, massive shout out to you guys because I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes. And, and everyone else who does YouTube videos as well obviously knows what it takes to, uh, to do that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, certainly an interesting watch, that's for sure. <laughs> Ab absolutely. I <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've well we were at Nerd referenced uh Brian Barchek when it comes to like preparation and planning for filming because I mean that man is on another level you know yeah. and uh <clears throat> you know watching Brian film podcasts at the Reptarium and everything and then coming back to Nerd to film at Nerd when Kevin's just like I don't know. Grab some fucking things. We'll grab put it on snakes. camera and we'll it. we'll fucking talk about it. And then poor Donnie's like, I got ninety minutes of gibberish to work through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Figure out this video. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, it's good times. Good times. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, oh. it's it's all good fun, you know. It's like uh, I know Rob's into his hybrids and stuff. Um, so what's your favorite hybrid, bro? Uh, there's only one hybrid that I'm cool with. There's only one. And uh, I think Wormbooth has some, and uh, oh man, I'm so was it Dayton? Was Dayton had uh, Dayton's got one too. The yeah. tree boa, emerald tree boa hybrid, because it's wow. naturally occurring. Naturally occurs, yeah. But there's a big caveat in that because I've talked to a bunch of people who have produced them in captivity, and the people there's a guy in New Jersey, I think his name's John, and he's produced them two times, and. I've talked to him about it extensively because I was like, okay, if this is the one hybrid that I can be okay with. And I want to know a little bit more information. And he's like, they're horrible. They don't grow. They don't shed. They don't eat. They all get to adult size and they die. And I'm like, well, that, that tracks because after, because a lot of people are like, oh, there's nothing wrong with hybrids, hybrid vigor. And then if you actually have talked to people who breed hybrids and not like, oh, I bred this king snake to this king snake that are 100 miles apart like actual hybrids, hybrids yeah um 90 of them are not reproductive yeah. they don't survive well they've got all sorts of genetic issues they're, they're so, most of them yeah 100 and, and i know i'm being a little bit sarcastic so um <laughs> excuse my sarcasm but you see what interests me about the the hybrid stuff mm -hmm. is like let's say i breed a ball python to a berm okay mm -hmm. i want to know again curiosity for me data not for wow look at this look how cool it is just for pure research because that's how my mind works mm -hmm. is if if uh, is 50 percent of the babies going to come out like ball pythons as in how they act how they you know thrive or how they do and then is the other 50 percent going to come out looking or acting more burmese so I always wanted to do the burn ball 
I did see one and I thought, wow, that looks amazing. But what gets me is curiosity. And the more people you speak to, like you said, you get kind of mixed reviews. You know, Bob Clark swears they do really well. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a few breeders in the States who I speak to who say, you know, their hybrid stuff does really, really well. But then you've got the other side where, like you said, Rob, that some of them actually don't do well. And you have don't do well. And here's the deal. <laughs> the people who say, oh, no, they do great. They have a huge monetary incentive to tell you that, yeah, no, they do great. Yeah. <laughs> it's never the people who don't have them or or the people yeah. who are not about to sell you a fifteen hundred dollar yeah. snake it's always the people who are selling you a fifteen hundred dollar snake that's like no they're great yeah, they're, they're awesome they're they're, they're incredible <laughs> yeah sure okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that's and that's okay. what i mean so i wanted to do it as a bit of a and it sounds horrible as an experiment but not experimenting on the animals per se mm -hmm. right. i wanted to produce some and just give them to some of my Patreon members and go, right, what I want you guys to do is keep this, record its feeding, its shedding, its pooing, tell me how it acts, give me the data, yeah? Because I'm one of these people where I won't bullshit you. I'll tell you the truth, yeah? Um, I did, I got some Da Vinci Boa um, supplements and I was very skeptical of it. I took six, I took six, snakes three males three females different ages different cycles in their life they've all previously fed for me uh, and have been feeding for me but for one or another reason they went off food anyway i gave them the da vinci boa i recorded all the data put it on a video posted it for my patreon members and you know five out of six snakes ate straight off the bat, pretty much within a few weeks of having the supplement, they started eating. Mm. Now, previous to that, I tried a number of things, including live, which we can talk about in a minute. Jeremy, we spoke about that. Yeah. Um, including live, I work exclusively with ASFs. Um, so I just, I, I know my snakes. I know how they are and how they feed and all that sort of stuff. So, I, you know, I'm one of these people where I won't bullshit people. If people say, oh, yeah, they thrive and they do fantastic, if I come across something and they don't thrive, not to be nasty, not to be controversial, but I think the right information, getting out there is, is crucial, you know. Yeah. Um, it's crucial. So for me, it was more so I wanted to have the experience of producing a hybrid, seeing how it acted, seeing how it, how it survived and all that sort of stuff for me. So that was my take on the hybrid stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I, I think there's just so many different variables when it comes to that sort of stuff to for like you know even just the temperament aspect of it because i've met lots of snakes that you know or blood pythons in particular are one that comes to mind where people are like this snake's a psychopath and then i pick it up and the thing's just chilling in my hand and i'm like well if you hold it like an abby a psychopath but if you support it and you're not you know, if you handle it the right way, then it's fine. And just different people's handling techniques can affect the way that the yeah. snake interacts with people and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Dude, my, my daughter's a bit like me. And I, I don't know what it is, but um, she's very good at going in and just literally just being able to, I mean, she's 10 years old. You know, pretty much she'll go in and pick it up and it, it seems to proper chill with her. Mm -hmm. yeah? And then I've got a couple of mates who breed ball pythons. And their snakes are psychopaths. But when they come here, my snakes with them turn into psychopaths. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, she's never been like that before. Yeah. They obviously pick something up, you know, off people. And like you said, handling techniques and your persona and how you are around them. So then, you know, yeah, totally get it. Absolutely. Do you, do you notice any difference between any of the different morphs that you work with uh, as far as temperament? Uh, yeah, I've got um, I've got my line of Desert Ghost. Um, say my line, this particular Desert Ghost that I've got. All his offspring come out like mini cobras. You know, <laughs> they bite before they they think about it. You know, <laughs> um, they just go nuts. And again, some people say that um, you know they used to say back in the day, calicos and sugars don't grow very well. They don't mm -hmm. feed very well. So you do see 
with a certain certain morphs um you do see a characteristic with them but i also find if you've got two problem feeders and you breed them together i found that most of the babies will come out being problem feeders yeah piebalds so dude dude rob and again that's a classic example because i remember they used to say female pied you couldn't breed them till after five years you know that was one of the things you know mm -hmm. um some of my well everything that i've got at the minute seems to be okay but i have seen if you breed a very snappy quick to feed snake with another snappy quick to feed feeding response style snake the babies just come out like psychos yep. so i believe again um polygenic traits are also followed through with that so if i've got um slow feeders what i try to do is not breed them together i try mm -hmm. to avoid i try to give you know the other end of the plane where i've got um, an aggressive feeder feeding to like a slow feeder animal so it gives them that genetic trait because i see you know yep yeah, absolutely. I, I want to give a quick shout out to Bionic Benny for the super chat just because I'm barely making it, uh, making this live, going to have to rewatch. Hope everything is good with the best duo in the reptile industry. We're great. We still hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, much yeah. love to you, Benny. No, that's appreciate cool. support. Much appreciated. Yeah, yeah I've, with the same thing when it comes to temperament as well, I've got a uh, het T negative albino blood python. And she is a firecracker. She takes the opportunities to bite, and uh, and she's just she's always been like that since she was little. I've had her now for four wow. years, and I just bred her to a male that I hatched out that is super chill. He does not care at all. Like you, you can just like pick him up and do whatever. And the babies, I've got like three babies that are absolute nutcases, and then. <laughs> <laughs> two babies that are awesome like you cannot yeah, cool. buy, and all the rest of them are like kind of somewhere, somewhere in between the middle. <laughs> so it's just you get this like nice little spread because i got two that i open up the drawer and they flatten themselves out and they look at me and they got the tongue sticking out just a little bit i'm like well uh i'm about to get bit and yeah. i got the other ones where they'll literally just climb right out into my hand and yeah. it's it, the temperament and that sort of stuff definitely is an inheritable, you know, aspect yeah. of these animals that we work with. And a lot of people don't take that into consideration, especially when it comes to the morph stuff. I feel like a yeah. lot of people are just focused on, I want to make this morph. They're not thinking about, oh, is this snake friendly? Oh, did it eat when it was a baby? Blah, 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 all this different stuff. But I feel yeah. like the, at least uh, with a lot of the blood people I know, they do, even if they've got a male that might be nicer, if they've got a female that's a psycho and the, the really nice male is a crazy one too, they're like, I'm going to breed a, her to a little bit of a friendlier one. So yeah. some of these babies don't come out <laughs> losing their mind. Yeah, and that, that's one thing I love. Like I love speaking to other people who are into other species. Mm -hmm. um, I was watching um, Jeremy Stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeremy St the boa god, Jeremy Stone, yeah. Um, and uh, obviously he's done a few books and DVDs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was watching an interview with him the once and he was talking about boas. And what was interesting was some of the things that he does with his boas is something that I've learned to do with my ball pythons with mm -hmm. certain, certain things regarding breeding, um, how to keep them, um, you know, stuff like he's not in a rush to clean them out when he's feeding them or when he's breeding them. And again, it goes back to the old saying, again, old school saying, so old school warning coming up, um, breed them dirty, feed them dirty. And people think that you're going to feed them and breed them in, in their own feces. But what they don't understand is that snake poo, their, their urates, their, their, their shed, makes, again, ball pythons, especially because they're so timid and shy, and nervous it gives them a sense of i'm okay i'm home i did um i did an experiment i had a hundred baby uh ball pythons mm -hmm. and i uh i cleaned 50 tubs and i was feeding the hatchlings and what i did was i changed 50 out so as i fed them frozen thawed and they struck and constricted it i put them in a new tub put them back in the same place in the rack okay where they were most of those that I'd swapped out didn't finish the food. So they didn't feel safe or um, safe enough to basically continue to eat because yeah. we know they're at the most vulnerable mm -hmm. when they're eating. 
Yeah. So that just proved to me that if I'm going to spot clean, I'm going to spot clean that day and feed a different day or feed before I spot clean. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's proven to be, you know, for me, it's proven to work over the years. And that's why I've had great success rate with feeding, because, again, just help making sure they stay secure and they feel secure um, for me has worked amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think one of the things that we take for granted uh, in in everything that we do with these reptiles, especially snakes and, and uh, I'd say even monitor lizards, too how much smell plays a role in their lives. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think we really take advantage of, of that. We're just like, oh, we got to clean the cage. It's dirty. But, you know, you watch, even if you're keeping snakes in, in racks, you know, if you go and you clean out a drawer and you put new paper down or whatever, even the, if you're just using straight paper and a water bowl, the most basic setup ever, that snake is going to go around and around and around that enclosure because now everything's new. If you've yeah. gone through, you clean it out, you chlorhexidined it or whatever, yeah. that snake is like, I don't know where I am, and I need to make sure that where I'm at is safe. Or they'll pee. Yeah. Or they'll pee immediately and be like, all right, this is where I'm at. <laughs> 100%. I was about to say, how many of us have gone in and cleaned our racks and gone, wow, what a fantastic job we've done. We've gone in the next day, and you're like, what the hell's what, what's died in here, you know? And actually, you find out that all the snakes yeah. have gone in pissed and shit in the corner because they've gone no no i'm not sure about this i'm going to scent my tub and that's yep. exactly what it is you know yep. um and it's very interesting again referring back to to the video dave did with them being in the wild mm. and you see the females are down in the burrows and if you take a tub and you imagine it to be their burrow yeah you can see now why some ball pythons actually do better in smaller enclosures than bigger enclosures, you know. Yeah. And obviously, with them sent or with them going to the toilet and um, shedding in that same burrow, it's going to help when a male comes past. It's going to smell again compatibility. It's going to mm -hmm. smell that that burrow and go. Actually, that's the female for me. Or he's going to go. No, I don't like her. And then he's going to go to the next one. You know. Um, so I, I'm a big believer in it, you know, and, and I'll just say to people, look, this works for me. I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but this works for me. And it, yeah. I've had great success. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick two minute break to run our uh, sponsorship ad. And then we're going to come cool. back and uh, we're going to talk about some specific to the UK things that uh, oh, yeah. and I were talking about a little bit before we started. Black Box Cages, located in Buford, Georgia, is your one-stop shop for all of your caging and rack needs. Owners Jen and Clint are at the helm of this fantastic company. With one of the shortest lead times in cage and rack manufacturing, Black Box can satisfy anyone's needs. From baby racks to V70s, arboreal and terrestrial caging to deep-fronted bioactive enclosures, you can find everything you need right here. New enclosure sizes and products are added frequently to their availability, so be sure to check back often. Black box cages have tons of customizing options for lighting and heating. Along with that, cages and racks can be stacked with metal stacking dowels, and all cage joints are datoed for improved durability and stability. Most cage units are flat-packed, but are pre-assembled prior to shipping to ensure a solid build every time. The Micro XC18 XT3, BioG, and 3-Stack V70 ship assembled, and all other racks are shipped freight and assembled. The XR16 and XR20 model racks allow keepers to mix and match tubs. Fitting both Vision and Freedom Breeder tubs, you can mix the V15, V18, and V35S tubs, or the FB5, FB8, and FB35CV SC tubs. This kind of flexibility allows keepers to raise their animals from hatchling to juvenile or sub-adult size before needing to upgrade into adult caging. Don't just take our word for it. Go to their website to see countless customer reviews and review videos from keepers all over. To learn more about Black Box Cages, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Black Box Cages, and of course their website www.blackboxcages.com. Links to their socials and website will be available in the podcast description. Hey, bam. So you guys know the deal. Go get yourself a fancy little black box cage because I need to get more too. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, so, Gavin, before uh, we went live, you and I were talking about some things that are really specific to uh, to Europe um, and some of the stuff that's going over there. And I thought it was relevant to discuss because, you know, obviously in the U.S. we're dealing with a lot of legislative things. Um, yeah. And, you know, especially being the McCurley disciple, yeah. <laughs> you know, where, uh, you know, when it comes to, like live feeding videos and like yeah. how we represent ourselves, like these things make a difference. So, uh, so one of the things that Kevin's brought up before, and I know is a thing, is uh, the the restrictions are being frowned upon to feed live prey. Yeah, and that's in, you're saying that's in the UK. Like, so you have to deal with that. Yeah. So <clears throat> the way it works over here is pretty much feeding live prey is a no no. Um, it's it's not. It is against the law, and it isn't against the law. It's something that you can do. But if you get caught doing, you can be prosecuted. prosecuted yep. And so what that basically does is we have this sort of one or one, one option really is to free uh, frozen thawed. Yeah. Now, if my animal, if I've offered it frozen thawed and it won't accept frozen thawed, I can offer it alive. Yeah. However, I have to show. So let's say. If the, the 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 governing body or a governing body, one of them being RSPCA, uh, comes here and says, "We've had a report that you're feeding live rodents to your snakes." I've got what's called little track tags, courtesy of track tags. Give a shout out to track tags. We've got a, a red rat on them, and I clip it on the front. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do, if a rodent, if a snake has refused a frozen thawed. I will put a red tag on it to say try live okay so if anyone was to come here and they go oh um you know we've heard you feed live predominantly and you know these snakes can and will take frozen thawed i've got a method and a way of saying look i feed frozen thawed i've got them down there in in the freezer um but if they refuse i give it alive because i breed my own asfs Mm-hmm. Um, I know the local vet um, who's uh, a reptile vet and he's basically said, look, you know, if you need a letter from me to say, you know, you do predominantly feed frozen thawed, but occasionally some of your animals require a live prey. So, for example, baby hatchlings, I always start my hatchlings off on a live mm-hmm. and probably for the first two or three meals, they will have a live because mm-hmm. I know categorically that's how i get them started then once they've got that feeding response in and they need to they want food constantly i can offer them a frozen thought and most of the time or if not all the time they swap onto frozen thought yeah so over here the law is you know pretty much you're not meant to be feeding live however there is that gray area where you can step into and go look my snakes won't take uh frozen so i've got to offer it alive so, yeah, I feel like Australia is very similar to that, where it, if you can prove that the animal is it, it needs live for it to survive, yeah. then you have the exemption where you can feed it live for, you know, until you can offer it frozen thought or, or to get some health on it. And then uh, once it's eating, then they want you to at least try frozen. Try. Yeah. 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 You, you know, and listen. I'm, I'm a lover of all animals, you know, yeah. um, whether it be rodents that you feed into your snakes or whether it be the insects that you feed to some of your lizard species or whatever. Um, to me, I love everything that moves, if that makes sense. But I understand I'm a reptile keeper first, yeah, and the needs of my snakes, because that's what I choose to do, have to come first. Um so if they need to take a live, I've got to put my big boy pants on. And I know a lot of uh, you guys over there will probably be laughing at me, you know, but yeah, let's face it. It's not nice when you hear a rodent squeal. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, ASFs very rarely squeal. You just mm. hear a third and the job's done. Yep. You know, but again, it's something that has to be done that, has, you know, that they come first in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 100%. Just want to give another shout out to Benny. 
uh, for the super chat, a female ball python breeding cycle is probably the video I rewatch the most on YouTube by Balls to You. Best video out there, like it hands down. Thanks for that, Benny. Thank you. And, right. and listen, thanks to all your audience for those people. I've just been reading some of the comments. You know, thanks for everyone for tuning in tonight. I really do appreciate the support. And, you know, you guys are having me on as well. It's, it's awesome. Love it. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're so happy you could join us. Um, yeah. So the other thing that we were talking about, too, was... Uh, like you said, it was Germany has enclosure requirements mm -hmm. on stuff, so you can't use racks. Yeah, so in Germany, they're not meant to be keeping uh, ball pythons in, in rack systems or, mm -hmm. or any species. Um, I've got a few friends over there, and that's why, you know, if they post a snake, they'll just post a snake. They won't show it in front of a rack system, or, you know, they won't take a picture of a snake on eggs in a tub because they're not meant to be keeping it in, in rack systems over there. They are on about over here. We've got a federation called the FBH, which have come up with an enclosure recommendation yep. size. And again, it's just a recommendation. So yeah. the animal welfare officers have something to go off. However, um, I, um, I've a little bit of background about me, not only, um, uh, master technician by trade working on vehicles but also um <laughs> I, I, I was a doorman for a number of years and and when you sort of have kids you come away from that sort of scene and so i went into enforcement mm -hmm. and we worked with uh criminal uh enforcement and part of that was working for the local councils over here which we which would be i presume your um your is it who do you have that run your um your area what do like you call it court system or your uh, local police department no 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 your your area the not the senate the um congress we call them councils over here the council oh like a like a city council kind of deal yeah 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 sort of a thing yeah so yeah. so i do enforcement for them um mm -hmm. and part of that you know we we have uh, animal welfare officers. So oh, yeah. if you, for me, uh, some of the animal welfare officers used to come to me and say, hey, Gav, because they knew what I did. You know, we, we've got to go to this establishment. They've got these snakes. Da, da, da. So we used to help at my local animal welfare officers sort of educate them. And nowadays, when we have recommendations, for me, it's what it is. Some people take it to the extreme. They go, oh, no, no. They're saying this is how we've got to keep animals. We've got to keep them in these four-foot vivariums by four-foot. You, you know, and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> these are recommendations, yeah? They're not something we have to do. Right. If the um, animal welfare officer comes here and they inspect, which they're always welcome, they come here and check. If they feel that the animal is you know, not happy or has got some sort of stress levels due to its enclosure size, then there's a recommendation for that species. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is how it's worded. Um, but again, we're not facing stuff like you guys are facing. So I'm, I support the USR, you know, when I'm over in on the local shows, I was over at Arlington, um, donated some money at the raffle at the, mm -hmm. sorry, at the, uh, the auction yeah. the auction yeah yeah raffle auction yeah um yeah. you know and again um i'm a massive supporter of anyone um over your you know over the pond um i always try and send a bit of paypal money over not much but i always try and donate because i think if we can help you guys fight the law over there you know and this is what i say to people if a law gets passed in america the land of the That's free, free yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah? Yeah. How do you think it's going to translate over here? Yeah, yeah. Where we are told what to do. Yeah. yeah. Right. What's going to happen? It, mm -hmm. It's bad for us. So if we can all get behind US ARC and support, you know, we don't know the full facts over here. And we, we go off what you guys put out there and, you know, and, and what I've seen in person. Um, but if we can support you guys, hopefully, and stop it in its tracks, Pretty much, it's not going to happen over here. Now, I'm not I'm not saying it won't, but at least then, if we're in trouble, 
we can phone up you guys and go, hey, do you remember when we helped you on US Ark? Yeah. <laughs> We're in the shit. Come and help us. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's more of you than there is of us. So yeah. that's that's the way my mind works, you know. So yeah. Yeah. No, and that's that's absolutely that's absolutely it, man. I mean, you know, we we often talk about you know the reptile industry here in, in the US because so so many things are happening here in the US, but the, the reptile industry is is a global mm-hmm. industry. You know, I mean, obviously there are some countries that are fur, quote unquote further along with some projects than others and some species than others. But at the end of the day, we're all reptile keepers. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and anything that uh, that puts more restriction on us, especially when it's unnecessary and, and you know, downright unjust, you know, because it's, it's yeah. being handed down by the, the wrong people, you know, uh, we need to be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We uh, we just, we need to be there for each other and support each other. You know, I mean, that's that's just what it's about. Yeah. What's what's crazy is, and and this is how I think of things. You know, and again, you know, you'll have to excuse me if I'm naive, but all this started when that, or when a hurricane or a tornado or a storm ripped through a facility that was breeding. Uh, Burmese pythons and they got all released in the Everglades is that that's basically one of the things am I right or wrong yeah, yeah that's one of the things yeah, basically right. the the okay. but then also the iguanas that a lot of the uh you know companies like uh excavation companies and stuff yeah moved iguanas into florida in the 60s and before uh as a tourist attraction type thing right. so okay. like, yeah so that's like one of those things, you know, like iguanas. It always baffles me when, when we're talking about the iguana ban in Florida that just happened less than two, a little less than two years ago, yeah. because iguanas have been in Florida for 70 years. And they're iconic. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, and then now they're iconic. They have iguana storms when it gets too cold and they're falling out of the trees. But, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that that hur- Hurricane Andrew, when it, when it kind of destroyed, that facility you know it had so so many different species you know obviously berms are ones that get all the attention you know easy to make them the boogeyman but uh but yeah it's yeah so for me when i look at stuff that happens naturally in the wild where species uh migrate into other areas due to weather or forest um you know being forest is being cut down for homes and stuff like that and you see different species moving from border to border you know, I often wonder and I think, you know, I, I get it and I understand some of it, but it's almost like if we if we give them an inch, they're going to take, you know, a mile, yes. you know, and they're yeah. going to keep going and going and going and going. And it's, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, it just blows my mind. And, and like I said, there's a lot more invasive species. It's just, again, it's a bit like the spider ball python. The spider gene gets a lot of hate due to neurological issues, but it's not the only ball python that's got neurological issues or issues in general. Or even the worst popular morph, like the worst wobble in popular morphs. Like if they yeah. really cared, jag carpet pythons would be, be that. That'd be the wrap. That'd be it. Yeah. Well, over over here, I can tell you now that the shows you're not allowed to display or sell spider. You're not allowed to uh, sell or display jaguar carpet pythons. Mm-hmm. And there's also a species of, uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, a, a type of gecko or something, or a lizard that has neurological issues as well. I can't think what it is. Probably uh, the, the uh, Enigma leopard gecko. Probably. Yes. 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 Lemon, lemon frost with the cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, again, if, if we wanted to be real picky, we could look at caramel albinos or yep. we can look at, you know, other, other issues, yeah. infertile animals. And again, don't mean this in a negative way, but, you know, the scaleless bull python, you know, is that is that really a mutation or is it really um, disaster? Uh, yeah, it's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. how far how far do we go with this, you know? Yeah, uh, right. I, I believe I believe there's a lot of a lot of blame is pointed. Uh not a lot of blame, but I think I think breeders should be responsible for what they do and be responsible breeders. If yeah. I want to breed spider, I'm not gonna breed an animal that's corkscrewing its head off. 
you know? Yep. Right, right, right. I've got two, I think two or three spider, beautiful spider females in my collection. The one was the first, uh, the first ever uh, banana female I produced, and she's a banana spider. Ooh, she's beautiful, dude. She's beautiful. Um, I've never bred her because she's always been a funny feeder, but she's a pet to me. Now, if mm. I were a breeder, you know, I'm a responsible breeder. If she was corkscrewing and wobbling and all that sort of stuff, I'd understand. I wouldn't breed her. But, yeah. dude, she's on point with the food, mm. and she feeds frozen thawed, right? Yeah. Frozen thawed, bang, on point, bang, 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 bang. You know, come on. And and yeah. and the, the other female spider that I've got, I've bred her prior in the past. None of her babies came out with wobble. And mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, none of them went on to have a neurological issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's one of those things when it comes to the wobble, like the one thing that I've always talked about is, you know, there's there's varying obviously there's varying degrees of how it expresses. You know, you can have an animal that has no wobble and you can have an animal that's, you know, losing its mind constantly. Yeah. But then there's uh then there's that spectrum of when it becomes visual, you know, like you get those spiders that are, you know, maybe a hundred percent on point and then you put food in front of them and they lose their freaking mind and they're all over the place and they can't, can't handle it. Or you pick them up and the same thing. So, so you have that element of stimulus that can make it go off the charts too. So, so we haven't fully understood it you know, to a point where it's like, okay, you know, I agree. If you've got an animal that's losing its mind constantly, you know, just don't, yeah. don't breathe. The animal. That's, that should down. be, yeah. I mean, that should be a pretty easy to understand concept, you know, but when it comes to the, the issue as a whole, I feel like there's still so much that we don't yeah. understand because it's, it's in the entire complex, you know, hidden gene Woma has it, uh, champagne can have it. Um, you know, spot nose, obviously the super yeah. spot noses, you know what I mean? So, but we've never dug deep enough. And, and I don't know, maybe if it's just because there's nobody willing or there's nobody that has the uh, capa- mental capacity to actually start yeah. looking at, you know, what causes this and how stimulus works uh, to make it exacerbated or not. Yeah, I think, I think it's important as well to understand that, you know, um, we are dealing with a mutation. The mutation yeah. in, in general um, is what we're working with. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think for me, I, I still, when whenever I speak about spider, I get the odd comment, even now, that says, oh, you're only breeding spider for the money. <laughs> for, for the extra 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. Not, it's not 1998. It's not making yeah. it grand. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like. No, you you are, you know, and again, think about it, what I just said at the start of the podcast. The Bumblebee started a lot of us off on this yeah. train ride, on this journey. Yeah. And that was the spider. And I'm a massive believer that there's not been, even the Woma, you know, and the Hidden Gene Woma, you know, there's not been a morph like spider that has done what spider has done. And yet it's been shot down so hard and so heavy, you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man. no, that's it, man. Yeah, my bumblebee. I've had her for seven years now. No, she has no wobble. Like it, when she's cruising, sometimes her head will go like this, and I'm like, yeah. "Oh, look at you!" And then people are like, that's "You're inhumane!" Oh my god, it's terrible. The spider wobble. Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, more yeah. stable than my clown ball pythons." What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I had um, yeah. It's crazy because again, like some of the spiders that I've hatched over the years and that I've kept. Uh, the spider ball pythons, that is, um, they kind of look at you like they're a big puppy dog, you know, like, oh, <laughs> that's so cute, you know? And it's just like, there's nothing else that's ever, you know, I love all my animals, but there's nothing. It's just that spider morph that you look at it, and like you said, Robert, you know, its head's slightly off. You go, oh, that's so cute. It's not wobble. It's just slightly off, and maybe it's just like looking around or doing something. <laughs> but it's so cute, you know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It, it's You've got to do it for the love. You've got to be in it for the love. Yeah, sure. that's exactly it, man. Sure. That's exactly it. Well, listen, we are wrapping up at our hour mark here. So again, we want to thank you Dude, for, yeah, for just for spending real. the time with us for real. And uh, but before we go, we ask all of our guests one final question uh that kind of brings it all together. So that question is uh what in the realm of reptiles, be it something that you've got going on at your place or something you've seen online or whatever, what in the realm of reptiles has you 
outright excited about reptiles right now? Dude, um, I'm so I, I tell you, there's one species at the moment that's it caught my eye when I was um, over in Canada, mm-hmm. um, and that was Euromastix. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Euromastix. And I keep seeing them pop up <laughs> on like my Instagram feed. And um, if if anyone remembers that video, I had a bright uh, black and orange one and a Ooh. bright green yeah. and black one. And I was like, wow, are those <laughs> real? Um, <laughs> I remember being at the show. Uh, and I remember being at the show and I was just like, wow. They are, the colors was just vivid, you know? And mm. yeah, they, they are kind of exciting me at the moment, um, you know? And, and yeah, that, those are the sort of things that are just, yeah. At the minute, that's on my radar. I really love what they look like. Yeah, the red Heck Saharans, yeah. the yellow Saharans, and yeah. then the ornates. The ornates really just yeah. 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 I've been seeing yeah. uh, I've been seeing clips come up from uh, that account Arids only. Mm-hmm. They like just do the Euromastic yeah. stuff, and they're like every time I'm like, God, wow, that's such that. a cool <laughs> animal, man. <laughs> Dude, and, and just seeing them, you know, how they chill and how they are, how docile they are, you know, just they're like a bearded dragon, but with color. You know, yeah. like, yeah, 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 like yeah. vivid color, you know, they just chill proper. Yeah. yeah. So for me, Euromastix is, is one of those things I think are pretty cool. Hell yeah, man. All right, man. So if people want to find out more about you and the things that you're doing and what you're working sure. with, where should they follow you? Yeah, obviously I'm, I'm on the, uh, the best platform ever, which is YouTube. Um, I've never been on Facebook, so don't follow me on uh, Facebook. I mean, Facebook um, and also Instagram. Obviously, Instagram's the way forward um, for me. So, yeah, they can find me there. Dude, sweet. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have to do a part two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, thanks for everyone as well for in the comments. Um, I, I recognize quite a few of you guys, so uh, much love to everyone over there, um, all my supporters in the States and in the UK as well. So thanks for all your support, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Heck, yeah. Oh, Take care, man. Have a Take good care. night. <laughs> Take it easy, bro.